Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Rappin' with Reef Bum. I'm your host Keith Perkelhammer and today I have the pleasure of welcoming my reef keeping buddy Greg Carroll. Greg man, what's up? How you doing Keith? Pretty good, pretty good. So Greg's been a little under the weather because of his uh, COVID shot so he rallied to uh, do the show. I hope you're feeling a little bit better there uh, Greg. Definitely, definitely a lot better. Those, those first two days after that shot were were pretty, uh, I was just beat. Felt like I'd been run over by a steamroller. <laughs> well, we were talking before the show. I had, I had a, um, a single Johnson and Johnson shot and it, uh, it definitely made me, um, you know, feel sick, not bedridden. My wife had the same shot a few days ago or a few days after that. And, um, she didn't really feel that bad. So I guess it just kind of depends on the individual. Yeah. It's a crap. Yeah. Shoot. So anyway, for, for uh, folks, listen, thanks for, uh, for tuning in. And, and you're going to hear this a lot tonight, but uh, don't forget to hit that like button so more people can find this uh, stream. And I know Greg is going to be reminding you folks of, uh, of doing that. So You know I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks, folks, for tuning in. Carlos23, I see you again there. Flippers Reef, John Reef of Vermont, the Herm14, folks, thanks for, uh, for joining. Polyp Pal, hey all. So... Greg, you're the uh, you're my first repeat guest on Rapping with Reef Bomb. I've been doing this show for about a year, and you've been a uh -huh. um, you've been a pretty loyal uh, viewer, and, and you were a great guest last June when I had you on, and and we were talking a lot about your your new tank back then. You know your, right. your new display tank. Yeah, at that tank. point it was only uh, two months old. Yep. So, but we talked a lot about your uh, your prior tank and. So I definitely want to devote a good chunk of the show to the new tank. And, and for those of you that don't know, Greg is um, a very, very accomplished reef keeper who has won Tank of the Month honors on Reef Central, is president of the Southern California Marine Aquarium Society, is one of the founders of Reef of Palooza, and we'll be talking about that later on in the show because there's a show coming up in Florida in May. Yep. And he's also been a speaker at some major reef keeping conferences, so... We have a lot to talk about, Greg. Um, but before we start chatting with Greg, I do want to um, just um, thank the show's sponsor, Marine Depot. I really appreciate them being a supporter of the show, as well as all you folks that have been uh, viewing. And so, you know, again, please uh, spread the word about the show. Just have a lot of fun doing it, and I enjoy all the guests that I have on. And, and, and invite all you folks to... Put the questions in the chat and interact with us. It makes it a lot more uh, interesting and a lot more fun. So, and one last thing about Greg, he has a uh, an Instagram. So, if you're not following following him on Instagram, please do so. He is uh, G Carroll C A R R O L L nineteen sixty nine on Instagram, and he he really um, does a great job in terms of talking about his journey with the new tank and maybe other stuff. Well, thank you, Keith. Yeah, I, I I do try to share the love on uh, on Instagram. You know, I, I definitely have been lacking this week because I was just beat. I just didn't feel like doing anything. But uh, but yeah, you know, if, you, if anybody has any questions afterwards, be, feel free to send me a DM, and and I will always do my best to uh, to answer it. So. Well, I see more folks are tuning in now. I see uh, Great Bearded awesome. Reef. Hey, Paul, what's up, man? Alex GS, the Kansas Reef, um, Scotty Damron, Reef Girl. Hey, made it live finally there, Cindy. 
John Reaper Vermont, thanks for the super chat. Today's admission fee. <laughs> really appreciate that. Producer Reef is uh, watching the stream. So, folks, again, thank you for tuning in. So, Greg, awesome. Let's yeah. um, let's talk about the new tank, and and we've kind of chatted about it on some of these past live streams. You've you've been you've been viewing and, and making some comments, and and um, I know you had a. Um, a lot of success in terms of starting that new tank with with dry rock and and you and i kind of have different opinions in terms of starting tanks with dry rock versus live rock so i just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that in terms of your experience using the dry rock and the success that you've had because you really didn't have much of a ugly phase with the new tank right starting it with, with dry rock so can you kind of talk about what your process was in terms of starting it with dry rock and, and how you think um, you were successful in terms of avoiding that ugly face? So absolutely. You know, um, I try to look at things not so much as what other people have done, um, because I don't think a lot of people were really that successful with dry rock, you know, start starting a tank. But lots of people had problems. So I looked, I always try to be proactive with the way I do reefing. And so one of the things I did after cycling, you know, I used the Brightwell uh, uh, XLM start, uh, which, which was a seeding bacteria. You know, I did the fishless cycle. I used their uh, quick cycle ammonia. Uh, I got all that out of the way. From that point, I started dosing the Microbacter clean, which is – from what I was told, a very aggressive bacteria. Did it once a week. Um, I did not do the full dosage. Um, I did a 50% dose um, because uh, if I would have done the full dose on 300 gallons of water every week, I'd have owned Brightwell. I mean, <laughs> it, it would have been, been a lot of money. So, so, you know, I was only doing a half dose of it. And... Uh, what I did, I would do a half dose of the Brightwell Clean, uh, the uh, Microbacter Clean, and then I would do a half dose of the. Gosh, I can't rec I can't recall the name of it, but it's their it's their carbon dose okay. uh, uh, product. I'd pour that in every week, regardless. The other thing I did once I started buying fish. I started buying cleanup crew. So I bought a couple of fish, but I also bought 30, 40 snails. Right. Um, I every, every, got, every time you got fish, you got... 30, every time 30. I got fish, I yeah. got more snails. Right. You know, 10, 20, every single time. And you know, I got a lot of fish. So <laughs> you can imagine, I probably have over 200 snails. My, my wow. preferred snail is trochus. Yeah. But... What that did, there's a lot of people who won't get snails and won't get a cleanup crew until they have a cleanup issue. I yeah. don't do it that way. Yeah, that's smart. I am completely fine with those snails starving to death. I'll just get some more. <laughs> you know, I, I, I prefer the Troca snails too, but they don't ship well. And so I've, I've had to yeah. get the, uh, the Astria snail because... You know, I've, I've had pretty bad luck in terms of uh, getting those trochus, but you're uh, in the uh, L.A. area, so you're probably got plenty of places to, to try to go. And pick yes. Up in well, person. you know, I, I do a lot of my shopping uh, at Harry's Marine Life. 
uh, in Gardena, and they actually own a collection station. Mm. And so, so they bring in a lot of cleanup crew, yeah. uh, especially things that originate uh, down in Mexico. So yeah, there you go. Um, been very lucky uh, with, with that. And yeah, all my trochus nails did, did really, really well. I, I haven't had a problem with them. But what they did is they kept the rock completely clean. I mean, no algae popped up. It just was clean. When I introduced the, uh, you know, I, I basically ground up. I went to Amazing Aquariums and Reefs and got like a, you know, maybe a three or four inch piece of his of his coral and algae, stuck yeah. it in a baggie with some water and just crushed it into a powder, yep. poured it in the tank. And I'll tell you, coralline algae has no problem growing over rock. It has a problem growing over algae. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if you get that established first. Yes. So, so if you can keep that rock clean, that coralline algae is going to explode. As long as you keep your strontium up and your uh, magnesium up uh, because uh, coralline algae does consume a lot of magnesium. Were you dosing any uh, trace elements at that point or were you just... Um, no. At that point, I was just doing... I mean, well, when I started putting in corals is when I started dosing. I didn't dose anything before uh, putting in corals. Uh, I think I put in corals at the three-month mark. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably at... I think it was the fourth month or fifth month. I don't know what I was doing... But I turned the lights, I think, accidentally when I was in EcoSmart Live. I may have hit it to 65K. And I saw the rock and I was like, oh, my goodness. Because, you know, when the lights are blue, which is normally what they are by the time I come home yeah. from work, um, you don't see it. But right. when I turned and, and it was like specks of purple everywhere. Yeah. Um, but none on the glass and, and uh, none on the back wall. And most, you know, was starting to also populate on the bottom of the tank. Right. You got bare so, bottom. Yeah. And from there, it it just continued to grow like crazy. I, I mean, it was insane. You know, it's um, it's interesting because, you know, you started this tank with dry rock and bare bottom. And you just hear a lot of people like, oh, um, you know, I did that and I'm never going to do that again. I'm never yeah. going to do that again. Um, I started my tank with live rock in a bare bottom and you know knock on wood i haven't really had too much of an ugly phase myself but i but i also did something that um i um i took some advice from you and i think you said that you had your leds turned down to 10 percent in terms of their yes. power settings for the first few months of the tank to until corals were in the tank yeah. right right which is the same thing that i did i I had never used LEDs before, so that was like something I had never even thought about doing because if you're using T5s or metal halides, you can't do right. that. Exactly. So, um, so I'm glad that uh, I got that, picked up that tidbit from you because, yeah, perhaps it was helpful as well. But yeah, similar kind of thing with me in terms of the coralline algae started going first, which perhaps was one of the reasons why I wasn't getting any um, you know, problematic algae. I did have a little bit right. of a, uh, a, a diatom bloom. But I just um, did some lights out for three days. I did. I did have diatoms, um, but I didn't do anything. Um, they were gone. They, they came one day, 
and I maybe lasted for two days and then they just went away. So, yeah, no, sometimes that that'll happen. I mean, usually they're like a result of, um, you know, not using purified RODI water and they're right. kind of sneaking in with, with the silicates and all that stuff. But um, yep. they'll also pop in with a new tank. You know, if you are using RODI water. It's just one of those things. Um, yep. So, you know, one of the other things that um, I wanted to um, ask you about is your thoughts on adding mud to increase biodiversity. Is that something that you've ever considered or ever done uh, not in this tank. Um, you know, I, after going to all the reef and stuff and going to Orlando and every year getting to see the progression at worldwide corals. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with bare bottom. I don't know that any of any of that stuff like mud is actually necessary. Um, I do have a couple of those Brightwell bricks in the sump just to just to uh more more or less have have more places for the bacteria to colonize um but other than that um i i just don't see a need for sand i don't see a need for mud um you know but it's just another way of running a tank i mean you can definitely do it i've had good results with with a sand bed, I've had good results with a deep sand bed in my refugium. Um, back then, I think I was using I was using regular aragonite sand, but I was also I added in some of that uh, Fiji mud. I don't know if you remember uh, yeah. when Walt Smith brought yeah. that yeah. stuff in. Yep. So you know, because the, the finer the particle, the the more uh, area for bacteria to colonize. And it's also easier for for little little critters to live in. So, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely a, a great way to uh, supplement your tank uh, with with food because all of those critters that live in there are going to keep populating. And as food go, goes down in there, you know, they're gonna they're gonna break it down. They're gonna eat it. Um, but I just you know, after having bare bottom for a while now and seeing how much you can actually feed and the nutrients not go anywhere. Oh, yeah. I'm always that person that says that that's a good problem to have. Because it's, it's always easier to add more food. And I'm not the one who's going to be pouring nitrate and phosphate in my tank. I won't do that. But I'll add more food. I have to, uh, with my established 187 gallon tank, mm -hmm. I, um, I have to add nitrate. I have been feeding the tank pretty heavily. Um, but I've got so much coral in there right now that I think they're, they're just absorbing so much nitrate and phosphate and I, I, right. st and I stopped dosing the nitrate and my nitrates like just bottomed out to zero. And then but I let started, me, go ahead. Let me ask you, um, if you're feeding nitrate do you feel that the corals benefit more from food or from nitrate well i'll, I'll tell you when, when my nitrates bottomed out to zero i didn't really change much and um a couple of them definitely you know faded a little bit so there was some color loss for some of those corals right um so i always look at it as there's nitrate you know, the end result of, of feeding heavy is going to be nitrate and phosphate. 
and I will just keep dumping in the uh, Reef Nutrition Oyster Feast. <laughs> you know, gets, because you it's know, a good that, that adds up though as, too, though you know, a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. I so, mean, and I and basically, I wanted to stop nitrate dosing. I just like I don't want to do that anymore. And so I just increased. Right. I mean, I, I'm feeding my tank like five times a day. You know, I've got. Mm -hmm. I'm feeding. Well, they feed all day and all night. Reef. <laughs> so. But I, I can't afford to do that, Greg. <laughs> I know. It's I got you know, you. it's so uh, I'm you know, it's, it's it's that's the cool thing about this hobby. You kind of like you play around and you see what works and what doesn't work. And you kind of like make adjustments along the way. Um, yeah. One, one other thing I wanted to ask you in terms of starting mm -hmm. your tank. You um, you added sponges to the uh, to the new tank to kind of get that. Um, no, you no. did not. I thought you did. No, this time I did not. Okay. Um, I did. I did it on the. Uh, on the nano tank uh, when I started it. Um, but after talking with uh, Jake Adams, he kind of convinced me uh, not to. Oh. And he just said, you know, in the end, they can become a plague. You know, they end up in your pipes and, and all of that stuff. He's all just, he's all, it'll be fine without. So I didn't, so I didn't add sponge on this one. And I haven't noticed any spots of sponge populating even though uh there's definitely been some sources for it uh that you know could have brought it in so did you add any um, pods to the new tank i did i did uh reef nutrition uh i did the reef nutrition pods you know and and you know feeding the oyster feast and phytoplankton um i would not say there's a massive amount of pods there but i got a lot of fish and a lot of wrasses so i can see why you know, the only time I see pods is when I lift things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what what do you like to keep in terms of target uh, nitrates and phosphates? What do you uh, What do you shoot for? So, my my more the thing I shoot for mostly is a ten to one ratio. Yeah. So, um, for the most part, this tank runs at about one, and then point one on phosphate. So one nitrate, point one on phosphate. So. It's pretty much where it stays. Uh, I I I can feed more, you know, but uh, I think because of the Brightwell bricks, it processes nitrate a little faster than phosphate. So, um, John Reaper Vermont is asking a question. I think you mentioned this mm -hmm. already, um, Greg, but is wondering where you got the uh, the coralline seed from. That was a local uh, fish store. A local fish store, yeah. I just, yeah. It, you know, his. He's got an SPS tank there that's been going for seven years or so. And uh, it just, the coral analogy just comes off in sheets off his back glass. <laughs> is, there, so, is there any place online that people can pick up uh, coral analogy? I don't even know. I, not that I, there's that new bottled brand of uh, coral analogy, that Helix stuff. Right. Um, you know, but. But I think if you can just find someone, all you need, as well as Jake told me, all you need is a little bit. You can literally, you know, get it on a frag plug and take a razor blade, yeah. and scrape the frag plug, and you know, clean the knife off in the uh, in the tank, and that's enough to seed the tank. So you don't need a massive amount, uh, to be honest with you. Great Bearded Reef, Paul. Thanks for that super chat. Comment is, let's get those likes clicked to get the YouTube's oh, algorithm yes. to recommend the stream. There we go. That's everybody. right. Yeah, hit, 
We've got 59 Thank concurrent you. viewers right now and only 22 likes. So some folks have got some. Uh, yeah, let's get that smash. Smash that like button. Smash that like button, please. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, so in, in terms of the, um, you know, the, uh, the early stage of your tank in terms of the progression of it, and it's a year old right now. How many, um, how many fish do you have in the tank at this point in time? Are, are fish like an important part of the equation for you? Um, I mean, they're not an important part of the coral equation, but I do like the movement. Um, I, I really think what people like to see when they look at a reef tank and everybody may not like it in their own reef tank, but they always like it is they love a lot of little fish swimming around, you know, at all times. And that's what I tried to create. You know, I got, you know, uh, a ras would come, you know, a particular ras I'd see, you know, so I try to get two, a male and a female or just two females, you know, it was all usually with rasses. I'll try to get two females um, because one, they're cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, you know, so, so I, I picked up a couple of rhomboids. I picked up a uh, uh, blue throat uh, ras, uh, uh, red margin fairy rasses. I always tried to pick up two for the most part. Um, and then, you know, I always was looking for my Flavigatatus antheus, which I still have not tracked down. I was really close. Uh, but when I, when I got there, I had found that they were all sold, Bummer. but, uh, but so I picked up some Randall's antheus. Nice. I picked up 15. I think I still have 13. Um, and they're great. I mean, they just swim all over the tank, and it's awesome. And they like to get fed a lot. Um, well, they like to get fed a lot, and I do have an auto feeder for that. Well, look at this. We've got uh, a lot more people watching and more likes, so that that works. Smashing that awesome. like button. So awesome. um, Greg was kind enough to put a um, a video together. So to kind of like help sure. the folks out there visualize what's going on, I'm going to start rolling the um, the video of the tank there. Greg, that you shot, and gotcha. um, you should see it in like ten or fifteen seconds, and then you can kind of um, narrate through here. But got it. We start with the uh, kind of like a full tank shot. Should be coming up soon. Yeah, I thought you already um, you already seen it there. There it is. Okay. okay, cool. So yeah, that's the reef. Um, the rock work uh, was done by Joe Caparata of uh, Unique Corals using uh, Marco, their premium shelf rock. Um, that stuff's also sold at BRS under the Reef Savers brand. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's got a tremendous platform. So, th so this tank is 62 inches long and 36 front to back. Uh, and then it's 27 tall. I don't think the rock work gets any higher than maybe... 12 inches from the water surface. Um, so, so it's fairly deep. Um, most of your fish are just going to, you know, swim around lower, closer to the reef. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't really go up high very often. Um, but, you know, maybe when it's feeding time. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just love it. It, it's, uh, it gets all, all, so it, cool. it pushes all the buttons for me. 
So it's a great platform to adding a lot of corals. <laughs> yeah. Now I did do an internal, uh, uh, overflow box. And I know a lot of people have asked me why I did an internal, uh, versus an external. So I kind of figured if I had to give up six inches one way or another, I'd rather give up six inches inside the tank mm -hmm. and have greater depth. So that's why the tank is 36 inches instead of 30 inches with an overflow box. Yeah. My wife wouldn't have let me have a tank that came out any more than 36 <laughs> inches. I mean, you know, it, it, 30, even 36 inches takes up a lot, but yeah. the tank is able to be pushed back all the way to the wall. And, uh, you know, there's only like an inch and a half or so. Yeah. So this is, if you can see my little, uh, prized rasses, uh, that's the uh, Madagascar flasher wrasse is that darker one uh, that's kind of kind of swimming around. Um, I didn't catch him flashing. Unfortunately, he doesn't flash all that often, but mm. when he does, it is just gorgeous. Um, you know, his colors change and he just gets really bright. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I really I, I really just like seeing all the fish move. So uh, this is the sump. Uh, the sump is a Vertex Supra sump. Ver uh, Vertex is now gone out of business. I'm running a, a Vertex skimmer. Uh, the sump does have the ability to have a couple of uh, media chambers on the uh, right-hand side. Um, I'm not using them because I'm not running any media right now, but you can see the Brightwell bricks over there on the right-hand side. And then there's an Abyss A200 is pumping everything uh back up into the tank um how much water flow of gallons per hour is going through that sump do you know alex uh, you know it's GS probably it, whatever would go through a a one inch pipe solid i mean mm. there's no bubbles going you know yeah. i have it i have it tuned because my bulkheads in the in the sump are one inch okay. and it's full full flow through there. Okay. So, uh, so yes, I do have the, uh, reef octopus calcium reactor, uh, running now. Uh, that is their, uh, CR 220, uh, which is uh, nine inches in diameter, holds a ton of media. Uh, the media I'm using is the Brightwell coral Lazarus, uh, along with the, uh, uh, Neomag, uh, magnesium, uh, media. Um, and the neomag's on the bottom. Uh, this is I just hooked up this new Hydros controller. Um, man, I love it. I, I really do. Now, uh, so right now I'm running. You know, there is a, a pH probe in the tank and in the um, reactor. Reactor. I have a leak detector. I have a skimmer sensor that shuts off the skimmer if it overflows. I have a uh, art, uh, auto top off um, from from Hydros. Thing is dead silent, um, but I really love it. It's it's really cool. Um, yeah, we'll take more than that. The lighting, the lighting. We have the uh, Radions Gen fours. Um, I have six now because I was a metal halide guy. I just came up with the decision to clump them in groups of in pairs of two. And it actually really, really, really did well. 
with um, creating a more even uh, spread across the tank. I know a lot of people like to do them proportionately all the way across. And what you end up with is a real hot spot in the middle, and then it gradually tapers off. But with this, by taking two lights out to the edge and the other two lights out to the edge, I was able to, to really uh, blend the lighting and have it pretty equal all the way around. And then for flow, uh, I'm using uh, three uh, Tunzi Stream 3s. Um, one fires forward, the other two fire across the back wall, creating a gyre uh, that way. Uh, the one firing forward pulses periodically, which fires forward, just kind of creating a little chaotic flow. So, Paula Pal, thank you so much for that uh, super chat. Thank you both, both for the amazing info and support to the community. Yes, thank you very, very much. Um, so, Greg, we got a lot to dive into there in terms of yep. the uh, the setup. Yep. Um, one question I had in terms of the uh, the lighting: Have you measured uh, par at all under those lights? So yes, I, I'm getting about 450 uh, at the top of the mm. tank uh, while running AB plus. Um, then when it goes down in the blue, it's, it's closer to 350, um, on its, on its blue stage. Uh, you know, the lights are only running at, I think 40% right now. Oh, wow. Um, when you got six, I'm sure, you know, I think you have six on your I do. tank I do. and, and you know, that much power, uh, you don't really need a lot. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got similar par readings you know, with my tank in terms of the bottom yeah. and the, and the top of the, uh, the rock structure. And I'm only running, I'm running those at like a hundred percent. I know uh -huh. I can get much higher if I'm running them, uh, more so, but yeah, it's, um, I like the coverage on, on the fixtures. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of them, you know, six is, is really yeah. good coverage. So there's a question from the Herm 14. Would Greg consider the Kessel a 500 as just to see whether it may work on his system? No, that's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> too much work <laughs> people ask me all the time why i haven't gone to the to the new radions and uh <laughs> it's not cheap I, I, i'm not you know i know well not just that but you know um i mean you know when if i was to sell off the old ones you know i could i could make it up and i could probably get by with less of them i could probably get by with four so i could justify it but I don't want to take them down, honestly. I, I just, it, it's, it's, it's just more work than it's worth. Um, the A500, you know, uh, you know, people know that I'm not a Kessel fan, um, but the A500 is, is a light that proves everything I said about Kessels in the past was true, was that they just didn't have enough oomph. And now they've produced a light with enough oomph. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll work. I think it'll work fine. I, I already talked with Ryan at BRS, and I'm hoping he switches over to him. And that was the suggestion I made to him. So Interesting. So you, you've got some, you know, some really, really good coral growth in terms of those shots that we've seen. I mean, you've got a lot of SPS packed yeah. into that tank. And you've got um, some great... Um, you know, encrustation. So you, you were dosing two part and then you just switched to the reef octopus calcium reactor. How yeah. Much, just two weeks ago. How much two part were you dosing before you made the switch? 
120 milliliters a day of each part. That's a lot for a young tank. Yeah. 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 But, you know, there's like 80, there was 80 frags in there, you know? What so, are you going to do, man? That's, that's like, that's a lot. You're going to have to make some, some hard choices, I would oh, think, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that this time around, you know, before I would get corals and then I wouldn't like them, but, you know, I just live with them. Yeah. Now I can just pull them out because there's plenty more. <laughs> in there when I don't like them. So, are you, do you have a uh, frag tank plug plumbed in? I do not. You, are I you do planning, not. There's, are you planning to? There's, there's really not much room uh, for it. So, it's probably never going to happen. So, uh, Alex GS uh, Aquarium is asking, and we were talking about this before the show, what is the pH on your tank at this point? So, with so the switch over. This, yeah, with the switch over, I did drop almost a, a full point. Um, so, so before when I was dosing, I was going from, from, uh, eight point, you know, like I'd get up in the morning and it'd be like 8.15 and then it would go as high as like 8.445 or so. Um, now I'm waking up to an 8.08 and, and at the end of the day it's like 8.35 or so with the calcium so reactor almost, yeah one tenth just just from the calcium reactor it went down what are your what are your thoughts when i had chris meckley on he said you know the key to success for him has been chasing the ph not alkalinity what do you what do you think of that uh, theory in terms of chasing the ph versus the alkalinity i think if your alkalinity is not there you're wasting your time chasing ph you can't keep it there. Right. You're, you're just going to, you know, I mean, the al alkalinity is the, the measurement that to resist pH change. At least that's the way it was explained to me. So even your things like your alkatronic, what it does is it adds acid to water and it measures how long it takes the pH to change, and that's how it calculates uh, your alkalinity. It, so, so the whole thing is, if your alkalinity is higher, you will see your pH doesn't drop as much overnight. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, and that. So, so yes, I do agree that you want a a higher pH, but at the same point, you know trying to keep your alkalinity down at seven and chasing pH, you're a dog chasing a tail. I mean, you just. What, um, what happened to your alkalinity when you made the switch from two part to the calcium reactor? Did uh, you see a change there? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, it's been, you know, I'm, I'm still in the uh, tuning phase. I'm real close right now. Um, you know, at first I went a little high. I was running a little hot, you know, thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to do like two bubbles a second and, you know, almost a stream and the alkalinity actually went, went up to about 10 wow. or so. Um, so, you know, from, from where I was running at nine. So, so I was like, okay, I need to back off of that. Um, cause it doesn't, I mean, this calcium reactor does not need a whole lot of CO2 in it, I'm noticing, especially, you know, probably because it's got a beast of a pump on it. 
do you have a um do you have you so you have the ph probe in the uh in the reactor going do you have a ph yeah. set point for that probe to turn off the CO2? yes so right now i'm in between 6.4 or 6.6 .6. okay um i i just moved there today um I was I was hovering at uh, uh, 6.5 to 6.7. So I just went down more tenth just to get a little more out of it. Are you afraid uh, of uh, potentially melting the media by going, you know, to that 6.4, potentially 6.5? I'm, okay. I'm not, because if I'm melting the media, where is it going to go? In the tank. You know? That's 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 all part of, part of the game, but... I don't, I, so, so one of the things I love about upflow reactors and why I'm not a fan of downflow react, uh, media reactors or calcium reactors and also second chambers because there's no real flow in there is that, yeah, the media can melt and it turns to mush as they call it, you know, and you get this powdery substance, but with a single chamber, everything's constantly circulating Whatever melts goes in goes in the tank. What, are you so, using a um, a peristaltic pump or, or something to pull? Nope, you're just uh, letting it. Um... No, I'm using I'm using a feed pump, but it's just a standard little uh, ten dollar pump. Um, I used to use a maxi jet, um, but after uh, really liking the pump that came with the auto top off of the uh, of the hydros. Um, cause that thing is just so small and I'm like, you know what I could do, I could use something like this to, to run my calcium reactor. But the problem is I don't have another drive port open because I'm using the CO2 solenoid from the hydros also. Right. So I went looking for pumps around the same size and I found this one, I think it's Jajali or something. I, some little little itty bitty pump, and uh, it's working great. It's working great. I just put it, you know, put a, a small hose on it, and then that hose, the RO tubing fit right into that hose, and zip tied it, and yeah, it's 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 running great. So that's 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 feeding into the reactor. Yep. What um, so what kind of drip rate are you getting out of the reactor? You know. Um, I haven't counted the drip rate. Um, what I try to do when I, when I run a calcium reactor is I just try to maintain a steady effluent. Yeah. Once I figure out what the sweet spot is and I can do that, uh, and keep a steady effluent rate and, and, and mind you, I try to shoot closer to a stream than not. Right. So right. I, I want a fast drip rate, but not a stream, you know? Yeah. And, so I yep. would say it's probably doing maybe four, four or five per second, maybe. Yep. Um, drops per second. So I have, um, I have the, I just picked up the same calcium reactor that that you um, just talked about the uh, the CR two twenty, the nine inch, the single chamber for my mm -hmm. established tank. So I've got, I've been dosing two part on that established one hundred eighty seven gallon tank for a number of years in that tank, it's just chock full of corals. And I've been dosing anywhere from 250 to 300 mLs of two part per day. So, you know, that, that, that's, that had been killing me in terms of the cost of the two part. 
Right. So I just kind of finally said to myself, all right, it's time to uh, make the switch back to a calcium reactor for that system. So I've just, um, and we could talk about this because I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't think I've, I've done this in a long time, but the transition from going from two-part to, uh, to a calcium reactor. So right now I'm running that calcium reactor. I've got media in there and I use the, uh, the Carib C, the large um, media, not the, uh, not the smaller. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just running it right through there and, and dripping it into the, uh, into the sump without any, you know, CO2 going, going on in there right now, just to kind of, as you say, get a feel for it. Um, what, what kind of advice do you give to folks that are doing the, uh, the transition from two part to a calcium reactor? You, you're talking right now, you, you mentioned that you're still kind of, um, breaking it in and feeling it out. Right. What was the, uh, what was kind of like the process? Was it a, a matter of turning off the two part and turning on the reactor or did you try to do some sort of transition to wean so, your system off the two part? So no, I didn't, I wouldn't say I did a, I did a transition. Uh, what I did is I got the alkalinity uh, to where I wanted it. I turned on the calcium reactor with the CO2. And stopped dosing two part. And I checked the alkalinity. And then the next day, where am I at? Do I need to turn the calcium reactor up? Yeah. If I turn the calcium reactor up, I dosed whatever needed to get it back. So with me, I like to be at about 9, 9.5 on my alkalinity. And you're, you're just in the bubble rate to, to dial in that reactor. So, so yes, I'm, I'm adjusting. Yes, I am yeah. adjusting the bubble rate. Right. Uh, to to dial in the reactor, getting the getting the level of pH in the reactor is how I control it. Right, right. So you um, because I can main. I always say if you can maintain one thing, whether it be your bubbles per minute or your effluent, whatever one you can regulate, and and you can hold that rock steady, stay there, and adjust the other thing. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. So for me, I can keep that effluent. It's been rock steady since the day I plugged in the reactor, even before putting CO2 on it. So it's been running for, for weeks, dripping like that. No problem. Like two and a half, three weeks. And then when I added CO2 to it, it, nothing changed. Interesting. So I'm just clicking down, up and down, playing with it to get to the right uh, level level of alkalinity output. Um, I've probably only had to dose the tank twice and it was like maybe 50 milliliters to get it back up. Yeah. That's always a good thing to be able to kind of uh, yeah. tweak it that way. So, uh, Dan Swanson is asking, Greg, are you dripping caulk? And do you see any problem dripping caulk into a refugium? So, um, I am not at the moment dripping calc. Um, I may, I know I swore that I would never do it again. Um, but, but I do see the advantages of calc, and, and I really like what I see in those advantages. Now, as far as dripping it in a refugium, I don't know why you would want to, um, because uh, a refugium is a good, I mean, it's, you're going to want that CO2 absorption uh, for the uh, refugium. So I don't know that you're going to want to drip your calc in there. So um, Alex GS Aquarium is asking, where do you drip the reactor output at the effluent? So the way they design the sump, they put uh, the needle valves in the sump. Uh, 
and they just happen to be right above the skimmer pump. Nice. That's a good place so, to drip yeah. it. That's that it. Couldn't have been better. <laughs> right. And the reason why you're doing that is because there's a lot of um, degassing aeration going on within Absolutely. that skimmer. And that's a great way to degas uh, the CO2. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. With my old tank, it was really nice because I ran it. I used to have that Aqua Sea skimmer and I ran it right into the Aqua Sea skimmer because it had a port to drip your effluent into. And it was the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, we go into needle wheel skimmers and they don't have that port anymore. So, yeah, you got to kind of be a little bit uh, creative. Yeah. So I also have so not only do I have the uh, the CR220, the Reef Octopus uh, calcium reactor, but I also have for my new tank the um, I think it's a CR200. It's the dual chamber calcium reactor. And, um, you know, we, we talked about this um, in terms of that second chamber I don't know if we talked about it live on the show or if we talked about it before the show, Greg. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's, um, you know, you're you're not convinced that the second chamber does much to help, you know, um, absorb the excess uh, CO2. But I'm I'm running that on the new tank, and I've barely got any corals in the new tank. I've only got like five SPS frags. I got a couple of LPS, and I got a large uh, Monty Camp in there, and everything is doing great. You know, they've been in there for for two or three weeks, maybe a couple of weeks. And, um, on, so on that new system, my, uh, my DKH is, it's, it's been a little bit on the low side in, in the seven, five to, to eight range, but my pH mm -hmm. has been like rocking like eight, six to eight, five, um, which is, which has been great. And I have my, um, pH set to, I think, um, turn off the CO2 at 6.6, .6, but I've been adjusting that set point to kind of like lock in right the alkalinity that i want to see on on that tank right but you're running calc washer on that i tank, am right so i am yeah. i am running uh you know calc through uh not an auto top off it's through a, a calc reactor right now and it's not really right. a, it's not really an auto top off. it's it's an old liter meter um top off device but i'm running it steady i'm not it's not uh, making adjustments based on evaporation or anything like that and i don't want it to um to do that you know once I get a um, a um, a permanent auto top off solution, I'll I'll just be running the calc, you know, right. at, at a set um, amount to make sure that um, I'm not getting that variability. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting because there I'm 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 certainly very impressed in terms of the uh, the pro performance of both reactors. I mean, I just I just got the uh, the CR220 up and running just like last uh, weekend. So it's been very, um, very, um, short time with that one. But the, uh, the other one has been pretty, um, pretty much dialed in and it's, it's not that hard to, um, to run for both of them. Right. I have the, um, the Camor peristaltic, uh, pump. So I've got that to control the, uh, the effluent coming out. Um, but yeah, you know, so far so good, but you're, you're just not, you're not convinced that the second chamber will, will make that big of a difference. No, the, uh, um, I, you know, if I recall, BRS did the experiment on yeah. it, and I think the most it did was was one tenth of a point of pH. Um, that's not enough for me to have to deal with the cleanup. Um, the other, you know, in that second chamber, as things melt, you're going to get that sediment on the bottom. And, you know, you're going to want to do that clean out as people like to do where they dump the media out, get all that sediment out. You don't want you and, don't want that extra work. 
Uh, no, because you know what that actor weighs when those both of those chambers are full or, or have have anything in them. I mean, it's heavy. So. Um, so, yeah, I just I just go with a a uh, with a single chamber. You know, I talked I can't remember who it was, but, you know, I think I was at a Magna back in 2007 and and a German it was it was a German company. I just don't remember which one it was. And I asked, I says, why do European calcium reactors only have one chamber? Because back then, you know, it was all one chamber. And then all your American companies had two chambers. And what they said was, if it was built right in the first place, it didn't need a second chamber. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> so that's what they told me. Um, Interesting. And, and you'll notice most, most of your German calcium reactors, there's only one chamber. Um, so let's, let's dig in a little bit in terms of the, um, the controller that you're uh, using right now. You, you said some great things mm -hmm. about the Hydros. What, um, is, yeah. it sounds like it's a pretty simple device to use. I think it is for the person who doesn't want to be, just have this ultimate control of everything and automate everything. I don't trust the technology that much to automate everything and the reason why is because it only takes one problem yeah you know to you know i i try to when i design a tank eliminate points of failure yeah that's a great idea i follow the same theory right and and so so i don't want my controller going down and then my whole tank just crash because it doesn't know what to do without a controller. I, I, I'm not that guy. So what I try to do is, is, you know, limit, limit what I control. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, that control four that I have has been awesome. I mean, it, it gave me the ability to two probes, um, the auto top off, the auto top off runs the the pump runs through the controller it doesn't have to take up a plug you know it only comes with four plugs some people would say that's a downside but i'm only using three of them the skimmers plugged into one and two heaters plugged into the other can you expand you know, it can you add more um you can you can add up to eight okay uh wi-fi devices to it so um and they're all you know the the, the power bars are are all wi-fi um, I have good a good router here. I mean, I think that's a prerequisite. As long as you have a good Wi-Fi router, you should be okay and not really have any issues. Um, but what I did, what I did like is the fact that you can get all of these little accessories that don't require you to really know much on how to use them. Hmm. So. When I got when I got the controller, I have the leak detector. You just twist, plug it in. You go in the app. It takes all of thirty seconds to set up each device. It's really that simple. Maybe maybe a minute, maybe a minute. But there's no instructions to it. You can figure it out. It's like working an iPhone. Mm. You know, you can figure it out. It's it's all logical in the way it works. I don't think anything you have to do in the app takes more than three steps. Wow. So, so you'll, you know, you'll plug it in and 
I got the leak detector. I got the the uh, skimmer protector. Um, and I have the what else do I have? So the auto top off uses one of the sense ports, and then. I don't remember what the last thing is, yeah. but <laughs> but it 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 all works great. Um, I'm my CO two uh, solenoid. I'm using their CO two solenoid. Every accessory costs thirty to forty dollars. Wow! So there's no you don't have to buy another module or whatnot to hook it into. You just it just plugs right in as long as you have an open port. Now, if you don't have an open port, you will have to buy additional controllers they're not that expensive though that's that's what, what, the are, they, uh, what are they retail for so so for the starter kit it's 449 comes with the four the the bar that has four plugs and usb outlets and the usb are also controllable you can switch those on and off in case you have like usb fans or yep. something that you want to wire up yep. and you can switch them on and off um you can't switch each individual off it's they're either all on or all off um, the, it comes with the temperature probe and the pH probe. Um, Reggie Perriman, thank you very much for that super chat comment is good stream. Nice to have Greg back on. We really appreciate it. And, and again, folks, if you haven't hit that like button, we've got over 90 folks watching right now and 48 likes. So if, uh, if you're digging this stream, smash that like button. Um, can yeah, you let's get those likes up to 60 and we'll, we'll get over a hundred people. No problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, can you get, um, text and email alerts if some of your parameters are out of whack? Absolutely. Okay. Um, it's, it sends out text alerts, email alerts. And I think in the next version of the software, it's going to do, uh, uh, notifications through the phone like, like that. Gotcha. So the cool thing about the texting, um, that, you know, I haven't experienced it with, you know, because I haven't used uh, my apex, but the phone number is always the same when it texts you. Hmm. And I guess I know with apex, I don't know about GHL if it uses the same phone number every time for the alerts, but like, so I was able to set it as, Oh, this is Coral View Hydros sending me a text message. Oh, okay. I so it you. comes across and that's who it's from Coral View Hydros. You know, I set it up as a contact. Gotcha. Um, which is which is nice. Um, email. I don't hardly check email, so I don't. You're I not an email guy. About that one. I'm not an email You're guy. You're not an email guy. I I no. uh, I I like email, but I I have my uh, Proflux Four set up for both text and email alerts, just in case yeah. something doesn't. Uh, get it's it is email. set up. It is set up for both, but but I don't pay attention to the, you know, and it it. it and it sends an alert when there's when something happens, an event happens. Um, it sends an alert every thirty minutes, um, oh. you know, until it's re and then it'll tell you when it's rectified. Uh, you know, like I like, you know, I usually usually for me most of my alerts are, you know, the auto top off ran too long, which means my tank's empty. So, and that's not a good thing. Well, I mean, it's it's expected. I'm not being proactive with it. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and it's it's a situation I'm at work, you know, it'll be fine till I get home to uh, add water. What do you uh, what do you like in terms of an auto top off device? You know, I um, 
we were talking about this before the show again. We were talking a lot about uh, some stuff before the show there, I guess, Greg. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been using um, products from SpectrePure, LeaderMeter, the, uh, their auto top-off device. And I think they're having some challenges right now in terms of uh, production. But what, what have you used in the past in terms of auto top-off devices? What do you like? I've always used Tunzi. Always used Tunzi. Always used Tunzi. Uh, the, either the Nano or the full oscillator. Um, it's, it's been a great product. Um, I've never, ever, ever had a problem with one. I used it on my old tank. I used it on the tank before that. I used it on my 25 gallon and I was prepared to use it on this one. Uh, but when I got the hydros and you start looking at it and you're like, ah, for 79 bucks, I can add the hydros auto top off. And it kind of works seamlessly. I I went I went that route, and uh, I'm I'm not regret I'm not regretting it. I mean I really like it. For the uh, for the tons, I'm asking this for um, selfish reasons because I'm I'm just I'm I'm thinking I might need to uh, consider something besides the spect SpectraPure at least kind of mm -hmm. kick the tires and some stuff. What um, does that use optical uh, sensors like two optical sensors? Is that how it's set up? The Tunzi uses one op optical sensor with a backup sensor that is a mechanical float. The right. little, the little one on the stick. Okay. So, um, so it's, you know, it will do an audible alarm if the mechanical float, you know, goes up. If you get the full oscillator, if you get the mini oscillator. Uh, for or the nano oscillator, it doesn't have a backup. It's just a float, a mechanical float. And is the Tunzi a peristaltic pump? Can that draw from like a water source like twenty to thirty feet away? So no, the Tunzi no, it's it's a it's a small little what looks like a uh, a bilge pump, um, but it's it's just a little mini one that's DC powered, and uh, I don't know. How much umph it has, oh, okay. but I mean it pumps through a, a piece of RO hose, and uh, I don't, I I don't think it could draw uh, that very far. much. No. Yeah. All right. Maybe yeah. that's why I haven't really been um, looking um, too serious about those reef keepers. Mentioning the new leader meter is expensive. Are they even out? I, I don't even. Uh, I go to their website and I don't even see. Yeah. It no idea. On their website. Who's selling that thing? <laughs> where can I where can I find out more about that? I don't know. It's uh, been a bit of a mystery to me. Um, just look yeah, leader meter has been around forever. I, I've never owned one. Always wanted one, but yeah, I just couldn't get myself to spend the money to get one. I have one that's probably been probably over twenty years old, and I and right now it is providing my top off for the new tank because I've been waiting for this other product from Spectrum Pure to uh to come onto the market um but i just kind of dusted off this old uh liter meter and it works like a champ you know as long as you do the maintenance on the thing and and, and make sure that it's uh performing the way it should be performing you know those things right. as long as the motor doesn't burn out they should run forever exactly but that's the thing the tunzi motor does burn out it's a brushed motor yeah um but it's 25 bucks for a replacement. So well, that's not I too bad. always had one on hand, you know, and they, you know, it, it'll last, 
two, three years, and then I'd put a new one on. You know, you'll, you'll notice it starts getting louder, you know. Um, the downside is they are not quiet. Oh, okay. now, now, some people say, well, it reassures you that you hear it cutting on. And Reef Girl is saying that the sensor on the Os- Osmolator Nano clogs really easily. She said she's uh, run one on Mollywood for three years, and it often malfunctions. I keep a brand-new replacement pump on hand. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, Yeah, but see, it doesn't have the optical sensor on the Nano. That's the downside. Uh, right. But the, os- the, os- the full-size Osmolator is, is great, and uh, if you want one, I'll, I'll sell you mine. It's brand-new. <laughs> Still in the box. Um, Dante, uh, <laughs> there you go. That's a, give him a, get somebody a good deal. Dante Dizon is, is asking, is too much automation good? I think we kind of... Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, I personally, I, I want I want to have control of my tank, and I want to limit as many points of failure as possible. I think Flipper's Reef summed it a pretty good. Monitor and alert is all that is needed. Yep. Um, and Jake Adams would probably agree with that too. That uh, yeah, I honestly don't know why we still call them controllers when the most important thing that they do is monitoring. Yeah, I, uh, I I I I absolutely just agree. I think when there's just too many moving parts, and um, you have um, you know a controller do too many things, which is as you mentioned before, there's just too many different points of failure. And that doesn't make me t- feel too comfortable. I, you know, I've gone back and forth in terms of using my cage director to control the uh, the, the alkalinity dosing, as well as um, you know controlling uh, the uh, the calcium reactor. <clears throat> and um, I've done it, and I just I like to be able to see, you know, what the amount of you know what I'm dosing. I I, I like to look at I like to walk by my monitor every day visually see what the DKH is. And if I see over like a, a several days that it's slowly going down, then I know the corals are consuming, you know, the, uh, the, the two part in the way they should be that the corals are healthy and they're growing. So they're consuming more two right. part. And that's, that's what I like to see. I know I could dive into the app or whatnot and get the data, um, to see what it's doing, but I'm kind of lazy in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, so. Greg, do we want to, um, do we want to talk about Reef of Palooza, or do you want to do you want yeah. to talk about some other stuff regarding the uh, the tank? I mean, actually, you know, before we do that, there was a couple yeah. other things I wanted to um, to ask you about the uh, the new tank. Um, one, and I saw this comment earlier in in terms of have, what what um, what do you do in terms of trying to keep pests, you know, out of your tank? Do you have any quarantine process you go through? You've got a lot of corals in there right now. What? Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna have pests. <laughs> I really You're just resigned I mean, I to. Uh... I dip them. I don't. I don't have another tank capable of supporting SPS. So so it's dip and pray, and uh, you know I'll I'll put I'll put the necessary uh, critters in there to hopefully control a pest outbreak if it happens. Um, yeah. That's that's just you know. I've had red bugs. I've had acro-eating flatworms yeah. in the in the old tank. Um, I was not going, you know. I I look at some of these people breaking down beautiful SPS tanks over acro-eating flatworms, and 
or red bugs. Well, not red bugs. But everybody would just use the interceptor on that. But we're after eating flatworms because we couldn't eradicate them. And I'm like, the reef itself doesn't just give up the ghost because it has a pest. You know, right. you don't just take. You can you can reduce it by putting in the right elements to eat those things. You know, with flatworms, you can. You can do six-line wrasses and, and peppermint shrimp. Peppermint shrimp will eat the eggs. Six-line wrasses will eat the adults. Hit them with a turkey baster. They'll come, off, they'll come off the coral. And I will tell you, if you have a lot of wrasses like I do. It's field day. So. Yeah, I... Um... I had acro-eating flatworms in my old uh, tank, and I think it's the picture behind us of the um, with all the corals in the uh, in the backdrop there. And I lived with them. I I, I based it. Yeah. I had I had wrasses. I actually had a pair of clownfish that loved to eat the flatworms after I um, basted them. And and um, I lived with them. I mean, some corals were um, you know they they were impacted. You know, a lot of tricolors that I had right. just didn't do well. You know, a couple of millies didn't do well. But by and large, I lived with them. I didn't. I just didn't think I could. You know, the corals would survive the dipping regime that would be needed to get rid of that pest. Exactly. I mean, it's. I just don't think it's 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 worth it. It's not. It's not that bad. Um, it's not as bad as people have made it out to be. Um, it's just if you do nothing. If you do nothing and just let it die, yeah, you you can you can do that. But but there are methods to control those pests. Yep. So. Yep. Natural uh, it, means. And I tell you, you know, just about any tank I've ever seen that's gotten to that five, six, seven year mark, that's SPS. Yeah, you got flatworms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know what I've got set up. I I, I set it up somewhat recently was a, um, an SPS quarantine tank. So it's a, uh, it's a 20 gallon tank. I think it's an Aquion tank, uh -huh. really, um, an inexpensive tank, but a solid little tank. I've got a, uh, a hang in the back filter with the, with a sponge, two sponges in there. I've got a, uh, a little, um, Mitros light on top of that. I've got a, a gyra for circulation and I don't have a skimmer on it. And what I do is I do 50% water changes on it every week. So when I change out oh, the okay. um, when I change out the water on my 187 gallon tank, I take 10 gallons out of that uh, quarantine tank and I put 10 gallons from the established tank in there. And um, you know it seems to be working. So yeah, you know yeah, I think I would do do something like in the future. Um, but right now with the with the kids, the dogs, and everything. Got, I just don't have the room. I don't have the room or the time or or anything like that. So just it is what it is. Yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, you just got to be, you got to just try to, like you say, dip and pray sometimes and, and, and keep the fingers crossed. And also I think the you know, good advice is to try to, like, you know, get get your corals from, from known folks that uh, are, are diligent in terms of trying to keep pests out of their tank too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no but, don't, but don't, I don't want anybody to think that having a pest is a death sentence for your tank. It's, no. it's not. Now I noticed, it's in, not. I noticed in your, uh, in your new tank that you've picked up some, um, some mini colonies. 
have you um so there were a couple of mini colonies uh that a friend gave me to try to color up they're just brownouts okay uh, so those so so three of them are not mine i bought one for me and then i think um yeah there's so there's three that aren't mine um so yeah that those those are in the tank um i'm just trying to see if I can get him to color up, because he was going to kill him. So, <laughs> so they're you're on a re- they're on a rescue mission there with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the the colony that you got, were you concerned about uh, eggs on it? Did you like give it a real good once over in terms of the so, eggs? So I did. I did the dipping. I did the dipping. I hit it with a toothbrush. I hit the the base and everything with hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. Um, you know, to make sure I'm not bringing in any uh, algae spores. Yep. That's pretty much my my dipping regiment for for those type corals. And you know, you're going to have a little death when the hydrogen peroxide gets on the actual coral itself. But I try to limit that by using a a syringe to uh, to put the coral, you know, while it's sitting in the dish. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh so, yeah. I had another uh, question for you, and uh, it just escaped me. So maybe it'll uh, mm-hmm. pop back into my head, but let's talk about uh, reef of Palooza. So what, what's it going to look like okay. in, uh, in Florida in, in May? What, what's the date uh, for the show? So uh, the date is a, uh, sorry, May 15th and 16th. Uh, we have gone back to the Caribe Royale hotel, which is just a wonderful place for a show. Uh, it's a really, really nice resort. Well, I, I would say one of the nicest hotels there in, uh, in Orlando. Um, so one of the things that is happening and, you know, they don't necessarily, I mean, you know, Florida is pretty wide open, yeah. but the, you know, the guys at worldwide corals are trying to be fairly, uh, proactive, uh, from that standpoint, uh, trying to be proactive. So what they're doing is they're splitting each day into two sessions. So you'll buy your ticket for first session or second session and you'll, you know, on Mon- on Saturday or Sunday. So uh, we're going to do, I think we're doing, I don't know how we're, well, the raffles are going to be done remotely. So I'll, I usually run the raffle. Uh, what they told me is we'll bring in like 10 people that are participants of the raffle. Okay. We'll bring them into a room. They'll be witnesses to watch, and uh, you know we'll we'll pull all the numbers, and then they're going to post everything on social media. So, what's it going to look like in terms of the uh, the capacity? Is I'm assuming that it can't be the um, the number of folks that it has been in the past. Is there going to be some limitation on that, or are they going to be yes? Different? Okay, per, every session is going to going to be capped. I think it's around 800 uh, people. Um, you know this this show floor is is quite large. Um, I think this room is like forty thousand square feet. Oh, okay, big. So, so it's a big room, and it it will take a lot of people to fill the aisles. So we're limiting it to eight hundred people uh, per session. Um, but you know, we'll just have to say it might be a thousand per session. I just off the top of my head, I just don't remember. Hey, um, when you say session, you're t- you're talking about per day. No. Oh no. No, there's two sessions per day. Two sessions and there'll per be day. An hour, there'll be an hour uh, break between 
Um, and my understanding is to sanitize the room, okay. you know, to do a little little bit of a, a sanitizing. I don't know exactly, you know, maybe wiping off the door handles and whatnot. You know, they're not going to be coming in there with a fogger with all those tanks running. <laughs> yeah, that would you be know. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do that. But uh, but yeah, you know, so you know, there's going to be lots of hand sanitizer around. You know, we're just trying to do our part to minimize our impact. We certainly don't want it to just be a super spreader. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. mask, I think uh, their masks are mandatory is my understanding. Oh, Cause in Florida, they're not right. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. But uh, for reef Palooza, it, it is. And, and it's just, it's just, we don't want to hit the news and say, yeah. Oh yeah, some, somebody decided to do a fish show and it was a super spreader event. You know I mean? Just don't want it to be that way. Uh, RC Reefer is asking, what about vaccinated people? I'm, I'm assuming that. Um, yeah. Uh, You'd be wearing a mask just like this yeah, vaccinated person. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so has, has Florida been having these uh, types of large gatherings? I, I don't know. Don't know. Okay. What, um, I don't know. What's, what's um, the status? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that they were wide open. So yeah. every, there's no restrictions on anything. Um, but, you know, companies like Disney are still, you know, limiting the number of people and uh, to my understanding, and, and they still have the, you know, COVID protocols, despite the state being wide open, they still do things the way they were doing them with with uh, during when they were shut down or not shut down, but, you know, restricted. So. What about um, what about speakers? What who's on tap for um, any, any speakers? I I have not looked. Okay, I, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not me. You. Not this time. What uh, what's the status of the New York show in June? The New York show, I have been told it's it's a ninety five percent chance. Are you going to go to the uh, New York show? Absolutely, I'll be at all. If there's I, a reef of blues, I'll be there. I might go. I don't know. I'm kind of like on the fence about it. I usually go to that show. And it's only like a five-hour drive for me from Vermont. So so the beauty of the New York show is that building is 60,000 square feet. Yeah, it's huge. We only use 30 to 40. Well, it, when we started, we were at 30. But uh, the last time, we, we used 40,000 square feet of it. So we could essentially expand and just make the show spread out a little more. Yeah, I was going to say, are they going to... Make aisles wider and things like that. So so we can do a lot at the New York show because we have a lot of extra space. In in the uh, in Orlando, are they going to actually be staggering people in terms of um, how many people can kind of go up to a uh, to a vendor? No. No. So it... I don't think that's possible. I mean, for for us to... I don't think we have the manpower to enforce something like that. And, you know, you're all, I also don't want, uh, uh, you know, uh, confrontations, you know, you're going to get some people who are, who are going to be upset by the restrictions as is yeah, I know. you keep yeah. piling them on, you know, I, I just ask that everybody be responsible and, and think of it from that standpoint, no matter what their beliefs are. Just just be courteous to others as well. John Reaper from Vermont. Keith, maybe we can go together. Yeah, you know, if I end up going, definitely uh, there you go. connect with well, you. Well, I hope John. to see you there. 
Yeah, um, me, me, me let's too. Let's see how this one goes, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I really look forward to getting back to normal. I know. But I am fine with getting back to normal with mask. You know, I think that's. I'm fine. With I think it. that's going to be the reality probably for the next uh, yeah. six months, maybe another yeah, year. Yeah, it's the new norm. Just, just deal with it until this is completely gone, and by 2022, hopefully, it's all gone and we can go back to being regular. <laughs> you know, right? Because the Magna was was postponed for this year again, right? So I think they're uh, right. they're um, looking at um, Milwaukee 2022. Yeah. As and and we've also postponed uh, California's Reef of Palooza. Oh, you did. We did, and and uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, it cost a tremendous amount of money to do the California Reef of Palooza um, because it's in Orange County and it's insanely expensive. Um, the chances of of the club losing money uh, were very high. Yeah, you don't want that. Because we have a hard enough time getting people to book the hotel room in the first place. Oh, because really? it's in a really nice hotel. It's, it's not expensive. cheap. Yeah, expensive. Yeah. And unfortunately, when they don't book those rooms, we pay for it. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, that sucks. And that adds up really really quick and when you have a lot of out of state and out of out of country uh exhibitors like we have at the california show um if they're not gonna come which a lot of them aren't coming to america simply because they would have to quarantine when they go back yeah that's what we have yes see we're we're the super spreader country now (laughs) (laughs) we're the ones that people don't want people from so um so yeah, they, they're they're faced with having to to face a quarantine when, when they come back, and they're not willing to do that. So they're gonna pass, and it it just didn't make sense. And and we look at it from the standpoint of you know if it was a situation we knew everything was gonna be fine, but all of our stuff here in California is speculative as to where we're gonna be in August. Yeah, you, so, you don't know. I mean, there's there, there right. are some hot spots. I mean, we have the same similar situation here in Vermont. If um, you're not vaccinated and you leave the uh, the state, cross state lines, and come back, you're going to have to do uh, self quarantine for uh, right. seven to fourteen days. Um, I right. see that uh, Remy from Bahama Lama Coral is uh, watching. That's up there, Remy. And somebody made a comment about his um, frag swap video. What have, have you guys had any uh, swaps out there? Have they been doing that sort of thing or no? So, um, what's it? Steve Tyree and his Coral Farmers Market has done a couple of those uh, out here. I mean, they've been decently attended uh, for sure. The people are there; they're all wearing masks, you know. But uh, you know, there certainly wasn't social distancing going on. No. But you know, they did. They did open up the floor plan so the booths weren't on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and whatnot. Yep. So, um, I want to be respectful of your time there, uh, Greg. So, folks, no problem. If um, if you have any other um, questions for Greg about his tank and his setup, or any other questions about Reef of Palooza or, or anything else that's uh, Reef Tank related, 
put them uh, put them in the chat. One one thing I did remember uh, I wanted to ask you, Greg, in terms of your tank, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you talked about this, but what are you using besides a protein skimmer for nutrient um, reduction control? How do you manage nutrients? So I still am dosing Microbacter Seven. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, you know that's that's weekly. Uh, you know. Um, after six months, I changed from Microbacter Clean to Microbacter 7. And that was at the recommendation of Jeremy from Brightwell. So, you know, just following his recommendation, and it's been great. Have you ever used a macro to, um, like, a refugium or algae reactor to, to manage nutrients? On my old tank for a while, I did. Um, but then I was introduced to bacteria and found that it's a much quicker way to manipulate uh, your your nutrients. Uh, you know, as fast as as fast as uh, you can lower your nitrate and phosphate with algae, you can do it in a in a couple hours with with bacteria. Um, you know, if you if you add carbon to the tank and you have phosphate and nitrate. That bacteria is going to replicate every 40 minutes or so. Hmm. It's going to double its population until one of those things hits zero, whether it be your phosphate, your nitrate, or the carbon that it's given us, so long as you give it enough oxygen. So I just just think it's it's an easier way, and it doesn't take any space, and it's not something I need to plug in. So I, I I can kind of tell... Uh, when I need to do a little carbon dosing, just based on how often I have to clean the glass. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I've never uh, I've never used that um, that um, mechanism to uh, to manage uh, nitrates and phosphates. I've, I've always been uh, you know years ago I used GFO for um, for phosphate control. Then I got away from that and I I've been using like either an algae reactor or a fusium. So you know right. it's it's nice to have um, options. For, yeah, uh, definitely. Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, things like GFO, um, but like I said, from you know, in the beginning when I we talked about phosphate and nitrate, I like to stay in a natural balance, and I want that ratio to stay there in that Redfield ratio so that I can use bacteria when needed, and anyone doing doing. Uh, Cato uh, or or a, a turf scrubber should also want to stay in that Redfield ratio because yeah. algae also consumes it at that rate. So, yeah, you know the one bummer is that uh, if you if you got a uh, you know uh, an algae reactor or refugium, the the Cato can crash on you, and um, yeah, so that's that's always something that you have to. And, uh, and the other thing, yeah, you you're gonna have to you, you know when you're when you're doing algae. Um, it is not just consuming phosphate and nitrate. It's also consuming iron, manganese, those other, those other things too. And I get to the point where I say, am I trying to grow algae or am I trying to grow coral? <laughs> and I, and I, I hear so many people, you know, worrying about, oh, my keto's not growing and what am I doing? And I'm like, what are you trying to grow? You're trying to grow coral? You're trying to grow algae. <laughs> so... Yeah, not a, I, I not a fan of it. I try to I try to keep the system as simple as possible. So a protein skimmer is pretty much the predominant thing. Um, I, I've run 
out of the whole time, the whole year running this tank, I've I had carbon in there for about 24 hours one time, just because the water was a little. Uh, I saw a little yellowish tint when I poured some in a white bucket. Oh, so you're not running activated carbon 24/7? Nope. Because nope. you're uh, afraid it's going to pull out some of the uh, good stuff in terms of traces. Nope. Too lazy. <laughs> Too lazy. <laughs> Well, you know what, man? Your uh, your new tank is um, is looking pretty awesome. So whatever you're doing, you're doing Thank it you. right, and and uh, you can't argue with success. I always well, say. Well, it's you know, I you know I know a lot of people out there are always talked into buying these small skimmers, and I I won't I refuse to do it. I get the biggest skimmer possible that I can fit, and unfortunately, that's the biggest skimmer I could fit was that uh, two fifty uh, vertex skimmer and and I don't care if it pulls out nutrients and whatnot. I use it for oxygen, oxygenating the water. Yep. I mean, there's, there's so many other benefits to a big skimmer uh, than a little skimmer. You know, I, I, I hear people, you know, doing this nano bubbling and I'm like, yeah, you won't see an, in, you won't see a difference if you have a huge skimmer, you have a huge skimmer. You're not going to see, cause all, Everything you're doing, you're just injecting more air into the water. So if you have a big skimmer that's already doing that, you know, there's no reason to do those yeah. other little things. The last thing I, uh, I wanted to ask you about the new tank is what's your routine now in terms of maintenance? Are you doing regular water changes uh, besides cleaning the skimmer? What uh, what are you doing to maintain that tank on a weekly or bi-weekly basis? So as far as water changes, I, I have been doing like about a 50 to 60 gallon water change uh try to do it once every month and a half or so probably six weeks um uh you know i'll scrub the the sump you know i get in there and and i have a tunzi and another ch pump that that are in the sump i turn those on and i just scrub down the walls the the bottom all the fixtures inside, uh, scrub all that stuff down. It pumps it right back up into the tank, but there's enough flu flow to keep it bended, so it all ends up in the sock uh, at the end of the day. Gotcha. Keeping it simple. Yeah, just just keep it simple. And, you know, people, people I, I mean, there's, you know, I don't let a big thick coat of, of uh, silt get on the bottom so i need to use a shop vac to clean it so <laughs> you know by doing that on a pretty regular basis i i probably do that at least once a month um and it sump? stays stays pretty clean down there yeah i am getting some coral and algae down there because of uh the the whole that side of the house to the to the left hand side of the tank is four windows that encompass the whole wall so I do get light, and now there's out coralin growing in my skimmer and whatnot. But eventually, I'll get the skins for the tank, and I won't have that issue anymore. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, I uh, for my established tank, I just cleaned up my sump. Like it's been going for like five or six years, and man, what a mess that was. Yeah, I, I got a, I got, I got two dream boxes on, on my uh, older system. I got a dream box, and I just kind of like let it go, and and uh, yeah. so I spent many many hours this past weekend just cleaning and getting a lot of um stuff that i you know had been neglecting exactly so exactly it was uh so we had one one question here from scotty uh -huh. uh, damron how does greg dose his bacteria 
Uh, just I, I don't have it on a doser. Um, I just ha I just pour 50 milliliters into the cup and dump it in the sump. And blue or I'll dump it in the tank. It just depends. I, you no, actually, the bacteria I normally dump in the tank. So, um, uh, one one comment from me, and then a couple of comments from the uh, from the audience. Bare bottom tank, like I said before, is like this is the first time I've ever done a bare bottom tank, but so mm -hmm. easy to spot and siphon up detritus. So yes. easy. That that is a yes. beautiful thing. Um, Blue Reef is wondering, do you get sponges in your sump? No, at the moment I don't. I don't have any sponges anywhere in the tank. Um, I didn't introduce any on this tank, and uh, you know I have to wonder if that's why. You know, um, the Herm fourteen is uh, what kind of calcium media do you use? Uh, you mentioned that already, didn't you? Yes, the Brightwell Coral Lazarus uh, is what's on top, and on the bottom about twenty. I use about twenty five percent, which is the uh, Zeo Mag. Uh, which is the magnesium, it's, it's basically dolomite, uh, which has a higher magnesium con content than aragonite. All right, dude, I'm going to let you go because you've been right. kind of like sitting on the couch for a few days after that shot. And I think you really uh, pulled it together tonight to, uh, to do an awesome stream. And, and I thank, thank you, you buddy, bud. for, uh, for joining the, uh, the live stream again. Do you have any uh, final thoughts before we uh, sign off here? No, man. I, I just want everybody to know that, uh, you know, think about some of the things I said about, you know, when you're when you're dealing with a tank or when you're setting up a tank, think about limiting uh, your point sources of failure. Um, you know, the, the, the more things you have in between something, the more things that can go wrong. And, you know, we're already gotten to the point where we're, everything's DC. So right there, there's a second that power supply is a point of failure. But uh, but try to try to limit uh, the way you're doing things and, uh, you know, keep just keep stability, stability, as I've always said, stability promotes success. That's what. And if you look at those initials, SPS. So stability promotes success. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, listen, thank you uh, so much, Greg, and that'll do it for this show. Um, I also want to thank Marine Depot again for being a sponsor and supporting the show. Please keep them in mind when you're shopping for your tank. So my next live stream is going to actually be this Saturday at um, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm having another live coral show on YouTube, and I'm showing some, um, some shots from the frag tank from some of these frags that I'm going to have on this live coral show. So certainly join if you can. Grab a beer or whatnot. We can even do a little Q&A on that. It should be a lot of fun. 20, 20, oh yeah, 20% off on all my frags, so it's a steal. And um, so my next, there we go. My next wrapping with reef bum is going to be on Monday, April 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm really excited about this guest. Charles Delbake is going to be my guest on the show. Probably a lot of you folks remember him with uh, co-authoring the Reef Aquarium series, volumes one, two, and three, with Julian Sprung. He's a legend, a pioneer in the hobby. Should be a great um, show. I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, to that interview. Yeah, that'll be a great one. Yep. So anyway, folks, until then, be safe out there. Be well, and I'll see you next time. Take care, guys.